Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. Let church say amen one more time today. If you're at home and you were blessed by that word and song, can you just give Sister Iris a virtual amen? Uh, Just put it right there in the comments. Let her know that you were richly blessed by the word and song. And we thank uh, her accompanist, uh, Brother Kevin Long, for his ministry and song today. And uh, and do me a favor, if you would especially lift up Sister Iris in prayer today. Matter of fact, her husband, Hank, lost his mother this morning. And we actually wanted to find out if she needed to go and, and be with him and kind of work through things, but she was willing to minister through the pain. And so for that, we salute you and we praise God. And we want you to know that you have our prayers, not only today, but you have our prayers in the days and weeks to come. And Brother Hank, if you're watching, we want you to know that we're lifting you up in prayer as well. Again, there is a, many, many, for many of us, it's been a difficult and hard week. But we have gathered and we've come together in front of our screens and uh, in front of our devices in small groups to praise the name of our Lord. Because I need us to know in the midst of everything that is happening in this world that God is still on the throne. He has not vacated his place and that he still controls all things that pertaineth unto us, his children. And so today we, we, we approach the word of God with hope and with gratitude knowing that God still has a word for us even in these difficult times. And so today, for those who've been with us for a few weeks, you know that this week we're in week number three uh, of a sermon series. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at the word of God and we taught you on the subject, God has a reason for your route. And we looked at the fact that God took Israel to the Red Sea the long way. He didn't take them the short way. But sometimes when God takes you the long way, it's not about the route, it's about your relationship. Sometimes there are ways that God wants to connect with you going the long way. So sometimes it's not about the destination, it's about the God that you get to know along the journey. Then the thing that we learned in that same message is that sometimes your route reveals your readiness. God couldn't take them the short way because they were not ready for the war that 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 they would encounter on the short road. And sometimes we learn that sometimes your route is the answer to your prayer. In other words, we learn that when God took them to the Red Sea, the Red Sea was not an escape route. The Red Sea route was a battle plan. And the reason that God took them that way is God was going to use that destination to destroy their enemies. And then on last week, we came back to the same story. And we learned that ordered steps must be orderly. And one of the things that we learned, uh, and we rejoice as we found out that God's promises have no expiration date. And we just tried to encourage you to know that no matter how long it takes for God's word to come to pass, that God's word will speak and it will not lie. And then we learned that as Israel left Egypt in orderly ranks, it was a reminder to us that our deliverance is sometimes hinges on our willingness to organize. And we talked about the fact that there are some modern pharaohs that still don't want to let us go. 
that sometimes clutter can be a pharaoh and punctuality can be a pharaoh appetite can be a pharaoh sometimes we realize that it is the willingness to organize that helps us to progress and be able to move forward and so again we're going to come back to the word of god once again on today in fact i was hoping to be able to get out of exodus chapter 13 this week but i ain't gonna lie there's some things that god showed me so i may actually come back one more time next week uh, I don't want the, anybody to be offended uh, who's vegetarian, but as you hear me say from time to time, I want to get all the meat off the bone. I, I don't want to leave anything to go bad. And so we, we're going to look at the Word of God until God gives us permission to move to another place. Um, but again, before I do that, I do want to just ask us that we will keep uh, two additional families in our prayer. I want to continue to keep the Swinton family in our prayers as we prepare uh, for the memorial service or the burial service of Sister Daisy Swinton on tomorrow. We're praying for Brother Swinton, uh, Donna, and all of her siblings. We want you to know that we're praying for you. Your mother meant a great deal to this church. Uh, one of the individuals that helped push this mission forward. And so we want you to know that our prayers are with you. Then also we ask that you would keep Sister Elsie Allison in your prayers as uh, we buried her mother, Sister Bertha, uh, just toward the latter part of last week as well. And so we ask that you would keep both of those families in your prayers. And uh, do me a favor, if you would join me, I'm excited today. Today is my mother's birthday. And so if you don't mind, if you're in the chat, She's usually there watching on Facebook. If you can just give Sister Deborah Snell a happy birthday wish or nudge, uh, we are thankful uh, that God has blessed her to be able to see another year. Uh, so today, uh, we're going to go in the Bible, Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to look together at verse number 17. Exodus chapter 13. And we're going to look one more time, well not one more time, but we're going to look again at verse 17. I promise you eventually we're going to get out of Exodus 13. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 17. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. amen. And today as we look to God's word, we want to talk about some things that happened with us individually and spiritually. Uh, we want to look at some of the things that are happening in our world and in our culture. And so I, I pray that uh, we can look at what's happening where we are, we see what's happening in our country, and then I hope that by the time we get to the end, we can rejoice in the new Jerusalem. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 17, a lot of ground covered. The Bible says, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines, although that way was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped by Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them in day in a pillar of a cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and by night. So he did not take the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Today, saints, I'm going to talk to you for a little while under the subject, 
why you want clouds in the forecast. Why it's good to have clouds in the forecast. Let's pray together today. Father, I pray once again for permission to join my human weakness to your divine strength. Father, I'm praying that in the midst of the heaviness that is pressing upon so many today, the confusion and the unrest, I pray that you would give a word that provides clarity. Give us a word that gives direction and give us a word that gives us an eternal hope. So Lord, once again, would you please hide me in the shadows of the cross that Christ alone would be seen, that Jesus alone might be heard. And at the end of our time together, may Jesus alone be praised. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. Again, today we're talking under the subject why you want clouds in the forecast. As the children of Israel are released from Egypt, God shows up in the presence of a cloud to lead them to the land of Canaan. And it's interesting, Rashid, that God shows up to lead them to a place they've already been to. In other words, Canaan is not foreign terrain to them because they left Canaan because of the famine and that's how they wound up in Egypt. And yet God shows up to lead them even to a place where they've already been. And the reason God shows up is that his leadership is not so much about telling them where to go. It's about supporting them because he knows they can't handle everything they'll encounter along the way. And see, there are times where we sense the need for God to lead us where we've never been. But the truth is, we need God to lead us even if we've been that way before. And see, there are times where, where when we are unsure, we want God's direction. But when we've been down a particular road, it lessens our dependence upon him. But the truth is, I'm at a place in my life where I don't just need God to lead me down unfamiliar paths. I need the Lord to lead me even if I've been that way before. In fact, I know there's some of you that you've already raised one or two grown kids, but how many of us know that you need God's wisdom to help you raise the one or two that are left in your house? I know you've been the leader of the ministry for many ministry seasons, but how many of us know you need a fresh anointing for this season and this cycle? I know you've been married already for 25 years, but don't you need the Lord to lead you for the next 25? I know you started new jobs before, but you need God's anointing to help you start this new job in this season. I need you to know I preached the gospel a thousand times in my life, but I need God more with each new sermon more than I did at the last sermon. And I need you to know that when you're going down a familiar path, a familiar path doesn't mean you don't need God. A familiar road is just a reminder of where your help actually comes from. And the thing I love about God is that he doesn't just tell them where to go. God shows up and walks down the road with them. And understand the reason that God walks with them is that it's not just for direction. God walks with them for support. God walks with them to enforce their faith. 
God walks with them so they won't be confused by anything they see along the way. Is there anybody that's glad that God doesn't just tell you where to go? I'm glad I serve the God that shows up and walks along with me. In fact, let me say it this way. There are times where I may go shopping at Sam's or Costco. And you know how it is at these big warehouses when you don't know where to go. And you go up to one of the associates and say, how do I find the salt or the spices? And sometimes in these big places, they'll get an attitude literally because you ask them for some assistance. And, and even in the best time, they'll tell you, go down that way and turn left. And it's on our such and such. But every now and then, I go to Publix. And, and the theme at Publix is where shopping is a pleasure. And anybody know that if you're at Publix and you just look confused, somebody's going to come and say, sir, can I be of assistance? And so at Publix, when I ask, where can I find the salt or spices? They don't just say, go down to aisle such and such. The thing I like about Publix is they say, sir, just follow me and I'll show you exactly how to get there. In other words, my loyalty is not just where they give me directions. My loyalty is the place where they walk with me. And how many of us know that we serve a God that doesn't just give you directions? We serve a God that walks with you. In other words, what separates Christianity from every other faith is there are a lot of religions that can give you directions. Understand that Buddha can give you instructions. That Allah can give you commandments. But what separates Jesus from Buddha and Allah is that Jesus doesn't just tell you the way to go. But Jesus gets down in your situation and he walks with you all along the way. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Because he walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives salvation to impart. If you ask me how I know he lives, I said he lives inside of my heart. Can the church say amen today? And so if you don't mind, go back with me in the word to verse number 21 as, as we unpack this thing a little bit further today. Acts chapter 13 and let's look together at verse 21. The Bible says, and the Lord went before them by day in the pillar of a cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they can go by day and by night. Now, see, in saints, I need y'all to get that our story today has implications for the now and it has implications for eternity. It's amazing because see the way God shows up in the cloud to lead them, it shows how well God is acquainted with where we are in our development. Because see, you gotta understand Kim, that Egyptian slavery has crippled their ability to walk by faith. So God shows up in the cloud to lead them the rest of the way by sight. In other words, God shows up in a cloud that gives them shade and cool and scorching heat. And he shows up in fire that gives them light and warmth as they travel by night. And he understands this about Israel, that their faith is too weak to walk according to instruction. So God shows up in the cloud and says, come on and follow me. Now, now to be clear. 
The purpose of the cloud is twofold. First, the cloud is to give them shade and, 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 and cool as they march through desert heat. And then this cloud is to give them illumination and heat as they walk by the night. But understand that the second purpose of the cloud is to give them direction. The primary purpose of the cloud is to show them which way to go. And understand what a spectacle this had to be, especially at sunset. In other words, as soon as the day began to die in the west, as the last rays of the sun were eclipsed by the western horizon, all of a sudden God would show up in a pillar of fire that would illuminate their time at sunset. And it's amazing how this peaceful cloud provides shade and darkness is on a clock. And it's amazing that even when the sun went away, it would still be bright outside. So that when the natural light left, the spiritual light would take its place. When one source was depleted, God showed up and replenished it. When the earthly source left, I need you to know the spiritual light took its place. When it happened at sunset each day, God was trying to teach Israel that I'll be whatever you lack. Y'all didn't catch that today. In other words, the reason that God took the place of the sun, he's saying, I'll be whatever you lack. I'll be wherever you come short. I'll be the one to fill your deficit. Every day at sunset, God let them know that even when the S-O-S-U-N went away, the S-O-N would always be there. And, and can I pause and just let somebody know? That whenever your natural source expires, that God is going to be whatever you lack. See, the one thing about life that is consistent is how inconsistent it can be. In other words, it's crazy how inconsistent everything we put trust in life actually is. Isn't it crazy how money can come, but as soon as money comes, money can go. Isn't it amazing how good times come, but then good times also go? Isn't it crazy how good news comes, and then good news can go? Isn't it amazing how friends can come, and then friends can go? Lovers come, and lovers go. Politicians come, and politicians go. But I need you to know that God showed up in the cloud to let you know that whenever they go, I'll be there to take your place. In other words, I need you to know that when friends go, he'll be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. When health goes, he'll be the bomb in Gilead. He'll be the physician that is there. When money goes, it's a reminder that Jehovah Jireh is your provider. When lovers go, it's a reminder that his love is everlasting. When employment goes, it is a reminder that Jesus Christ is your source. And I need you to know that sometimes it is the absence of your earthly source that gives you the truth about your actual source. And see, one of the things this story teaches us is why it is important every now and then for us to experience some night seasons in our journey. See, I need you to know that God leads them, Rashid, in a cloud by the daytime. But how many of us understand that sometimes as God was in the cloud in the daytime, sometimes it was hard to recognize God in the cloud. 
Why? Because it was no abnormal thing to see clouds in the daytime. In other words, when the cloud ran into other clouds, it would be hard to know which cloud was God. In other words, sometimes when it was bright, it was bright. It was hard to recognize where God was moving. In fact, sometimes you wouldn't know the miracle until it got dark outside and God showed up in the pillar of fire. In other words, it was the night season that made it obvious where God was moving. It was the dark season that allowed the presence of God to stand out. See, sometimes we act a little brand new in the daytime. In other words, when it's bright outside, we have a hard time recognizing where God is moving. Sometimes when it's bright outside and all the clouds are lumped together, it's hard for us to know which source is God. But sometimes God has to allow a little darkness in the light so that you recognize where the light actually shines from. Sometimes God has to let it get a little dark financially. Sometimes he gets to get dark emotionally. Sometimes he lets it get dark relationally so that you can realize where the light source is and that light is Jesus. Okay, let me say it this way. I think I shared with you maybe, maybe a few years back. I remember one day I was in a hurry trying to get ready uh, to go to some meetings on a particular day. And I remember, man, I was in a hurry, but, but I couldn't leave because I could not find my cell phone. And, and it's crazy because, man, I, I walk all over the house looking for my phone. I look under the couch. I look under the bed, but I can't find my cell phone anywhere. And, and I remember my wife saying, just use my phone to call your phone. And when you call it, you'll just be able to follow the sound. But when I called the phone, it didn't make any sound because it was on vibrate that particular day. And I remember one thing about my phone is that even when it's on silent, when you call the phone, the screen begins to light up and emit light so that even if it don't make no sound, I just need to be able to find the light. But the problem was it was too many lights in the room. In other words, the lights was on and the shades was open. But in order to find the light, what I had to do was shut off all the lights. I had to close all the blinds. I had to shut all the doors. I had to covet or invite darkness because it was the presence of darkness that helped me recognize where the light was shining. And how many of us know that the dark season you're in has a purpose? God doesn't want to leave you in the dark. God just wants to lead you in the dark. God used the darkness to show you where the light is actually shining. Can the church say amen? And see, I need us to understand that this saints, this miracle had to be something to behold. Like, this is a visually spectacular thing to watch. Because the one thing, Lamp, that we're not sure of is exactly how God does the transition from day to day. Some, some believe that God had the cloud on a timer so that if the sun set at 7.30, that right at 7.30, the cloud would just light up like somebody turned on a light switch. But some believe that the cloud began to lighten into fire gradually so that as soon as the sun began to set, the cloud would begin to lighten up so that as the light outside began to decrease, the light in the cloud began to increase so that it happened so gradually and imperceptibly that as the people were walking, they wouldn't even know that it was nighttime because it was day where they were 
And, and it's amazing how God sets this up. Because God set it up to where they could have light so they could travel at nighttime. Okay, y'all didn't get that. God set this thing up in such a way that they were able to have progress in the darkness. All right, y'all still didn't get that. God has set it up in such a way that they could still move forward even though there was no sunlight. Y'all still not with me. God set it up to where they could, number one, even have movement when it was midnight. Oh, God. See, I need somebody to know that even in the midnight experiences of your life, that that you can still have movement in your midnight. Now, now again, I don't want to overstate this because truth is say that people still traveled sometimes in the dark. But I need you to understand that if you traveled in the dark, you were going to make sure you traveled amongst a very well-worn path. The one way you never traveled in the dark was the way God took them in the wilderness. So if you traveled at night, you were going to travel where the way, way, where the way was clear. The one thing you never did was traveled in the wilderness. Did he say, I can get you through the wilderness? God has said, I can get you through your wilderness even at midnight. So God, they, they didn't have to wait for... It's all clear in order to move forward. They didn't have to wait till the circumstances were ideal in order to go. And the reason that God leads them even at midnight was to let them know that your progress is not dependent upon a season. Your progress is dependent upon who's leading you. And see, I need somebody to understand that God is trying to get you to a place where you're upon a particular route or circumstance or a particular season or God has them moving at midnight to let you know that you'll never make a single step of progress if you're waiting on daybreak. You'll never move forward if you need it to always be nice out. You'll never make a step of faith if you're waiting for all the darkness or opposition to stop. God moves them in the darkness to let you know that you can even have progress in the darkness. And see, let me just pause and talk to somebody today. Because some of us say, Pastor, I'm just waiting on the Lord. And what you mean when you say that is you actually mean you're waiting on circumstances to become ideal before you move. In other words, you're saying, I, I need all the darkness to dissipate. I want to make sure that everything lines up just right. But I need you to know that the difference between those who are paralyzed by darkness and those that make progress in darkness is that those that progress in darkness don't allow their movement to hinge upon the outer circumstance, the season or the route. They progress because their direction is not dependent on their circumstance. It hinges on the God who is leading them. And can I say to somebody today, the only good time to move is when God says so. Okay, let, let me say that for somebody that didn't catch that. The only good time to move is when God says so. In other words, what makes it the good time is not the circumstance, but it is the command. And see, I need somebody to know that if you're waiting till there is no opposition, if you wait until there is no darkness, guess what? You're going to be waiting permanently. And, and isn't this funny about us? 
that, that when we just don't want to do something, we make action dependent on right circumstance. But isn't it amazing when we just really want to do something, we don't need the right circumstance, we don't even need the right timing, we don't even need good sense and judgment. We create the circumstance to do what it is that we want to do. Am I preaching to anybody today? But God is trying to set somebody free to let you know that you don't have to have a good light in order to move forward. See, I need you to understand that there are just certain things that it will never be a good time to do. You realize it'll never be a good time to write the book. It'll never be a good time to record the CD. It'll never be a good time to forgive. It'll never be a good time to have the overdue conversation. There's never a good time to go back to the gym. There's never a good time to start saving for retirement. There's never a good time to start robbing God. It's never a good time to go back to counseling. You realize that there is never, Anthony, a good time to step out in faith. Because any time you have to step out in faith, because it's a faith step, it's always going to be at a bad time. You realize that Moses was called by God at a bad time. He was 80 years old and found him a little dark-skinned honey in Midian. God called him at a bad time. You realize that Sarah got pregnant at a bad time. She was 90 years old, developing breast milk and arthritis at the same time. You realize that Joshua crossed the Jordan at a bad time. It was winter time and the fords were overflowing their banks. You realize that Peter walked on water at a bad time because he didn't even get to practice when the water was calm. I need you to know that God never calls you to move at a good time. God allowed the light to shine in the darkness to let you know that you can even move in dark seasons. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? Second thing that this story teaches us is that, and this is powerful, I hope somebody's getting this online, that God set this thing in such a way, number two, because he wanted their outer journey to foreshadow or mirror their inner journey. Okay, like this thing, Solana, blows my mind, literally, how God does this thing. In other words, like their, their physical journey, Pastor Lampkin, was like to reflect or reveal how he wanted their inward journey to function. What do you mean, Pastor? Do you realize that as they traverse through desert heat, the clouds show up during the day, but then also the cloud shows up as they travel at night. Now, some of us know that when you travel through arid terrain, even though it can be scorching hot during the day, it can also be uncomfortably cold if you travel at nighttime. But see, the miracle of the story is not just that God shows up, but as they travel, God has them on an outdoor thermostat. So that when they travel and it's 110 outside during the day, it's 70 and comfortable under the clock. When they travel and it's 33 degrees at night, it's still comfortable and 70 in the cloud. Y'all going to get that. So that when it's hot outside of the cloud, it's cool inside the cloud. When it's cold outside the cloud, it's comfortable inside the cloud. When it's stormy outside the cloud, it's clear on the inside the cloud. 
When it's rainy on the outside of the cloud, it's calm on the inside of the cloud. I need y'all to understand that no matter what was happening on the outside of the cloud, it was always comfortable on the inside of the cloud. God has tried to teach them that no matter what's happening on the outside of the cloud, your inward posture ought not ever change because you're covered by the presence of the cloud. So that my inward posture should not reflect my outward circumstance. My inward posture ought to reflect the fact that I'm covered by the cloud, Jesus Christ. See, I need y'all to know that God is wanting to get us to a place where the inner journey looks just like Israel's outward journey so that you ought to get to a place where your outward circumstances don't dictate your faith your belief, your values, or your spiritual habits. In other words, you ought to get to a place where your outward circumstances don't affect your faith, your, your beliefs, your values, or your spiritual habits. I pray somebody's getting this word today. Now notice what I said, that outer circumstances should not affect your faith, your beliefs, your values, or your spiritual habits. Now understand, because I am human, that sometimes outward circumstances will affect my emotions. All right, because as a man, guess what? When certain variables are stimuli come upon me suddenly, sometimes I may be afraid. Sometimes I may get ticked off. Sometimes I may be a little frustrated. So guess what? Circumstance might kind of affect my temporary emotions. But our circumstances should never affect my belief, my values, or my spiritual habits. But see, the problem with us is that too often the opposite is the case. That it is our outward circumstances that drive up or down our beliefs, our values, or our spiritual habits. And I need somebody to know that if you are maturing, circumstances should not dictate your beliefs. In other words, if you believe that God is good, then a loss of job or a diagnosis or persecution should not change the belief that God Oh, fidelity in marriage. Circumstance, loneliness, or, or, or emptiness, or an opportunity should not change that particular value. If I have a spiritual habit, then guess what? Circumstance shouldn't drive up or down that habit. So in other words, church, if, if, if praying is my habit, then circumstance doesn't drive the habit. But see, the problem with us is some only pray when everything is well, and some only pray in a crisis because the, habit, the circumstance this, the, uh, determines the habit. If coming to church is a habit, then guess what? Circumstance doesn't affect that habit. But the problem is, some of us only come to church when everything is going well. Some of us only come when we're in a moment of crisis. And the reason, watch this church, the reason that circumstance dictates our habits is because we're not spiritual we're superstitious okay let, let me say that again 
The reason that circumstance dictates our habits is because we're not spiritual. We are superstitious. What do you mean when you say that, Pastor? Understand that some of us, even in the church, we're not spiritual. We're just superstitious. And we use the symbols of the cross by which, as a means by which we practice our superstition. You see, the only thing that's different is that we use different symbols than those in the world. See, those in the world use amulets like, like four-leaf clovers and rabbit's foot or a chicken's neck or, or certain things or the horoscope or the signs of astrology. Whereas we are superstitious, we just don't use the amulets of the occult. We use things like Bibles and prayer cloths and anointing oil and prayer meeting. And see, I need you to understand the difference between a spiritual man and a superstitious man. In other words, a spiritual man is process-driven. A superstitious man is outcome-driven. In other words, a superstitious man is going to be loyal to the process as long as it delivers to him the outcome he wants. But as soon as he doesn't like the outcome, guess what he does? He abandons his process. Y'all not with me today. In other words, it's just like the athlete, as long as he is on a hitting streak or a, or a hot streak or a winning streak, guess what? He's going to wear the same wristband. He's going to wear the same lucky shorts. He's going to wear the same lucky socks until the winning streak comes to an end. And when the outcome changes, guess what? He's got to find a new process in order to deliver him the outcome. It's just like the gambler. He's going to go to Las Vegas with his lucky dice or his lucky shots. And as long as he's throwing uh, sevens and hard eights, he's going to continue with the right process. But as soon as he starts losing money, he's going to abandon the process and find something new. Same way with the stockbroker. He's going to wear a lucky tie. And as long as the stock is increasing and he is making money, he's going to keep the tie. But as soon as the stock plummets, he's got to find a new process to deliver him a new outcome. And see, what I'm saying to the church is that we are the same way with things like Bible study and prayer. We are down with it. As long as things go well, we are loyal to it. As long as we get what we want. But as soon as the outcome is unfavorable, we give up on that particular process. And see, some of us are not spiritual. We are superstitious because it is about the outcome, not the relationship. See, I need you to understand the difference between a spiritual man and a superstitious man is this. Is that I'm spiritual because my process is not about what I get. It's about who I get to know. Okay. In other words, it's not about result. It's about relationship. It, prayer is not about what I get. It's about who I receive. And your spiritual habits will never be consistent as long as it's about the what. It will never get consistent until it's about the who. Am I preaching to anybody today? In other words, saints, I need y'all to know the reason we pray is not to get a result. The reason I pray is to reinforce a relationship. I, I, I don't come to church to get blessed. I come to church to celebrate a relationship that's already blessed me. In other words, I don't give to God in order to...
to God because my treasure is going to always follow my heart. I don't obey God in order to be saved. Is there anybody that can praise him that your obedience is a result of the fact that you're already in a saved relationship? And saints, I'm just at a place where I refuse to be superstitious. I won't let circumstances dictate my values. I won't let them dictate my peace. And I'm just at a place where I'm not going to let circumstance anymore dictate my praise. Is there anybody, do I have at least 17 witnesses? on the line today that are just going to say like David I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth is there anybody that will praise him this way that says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same that the name of the Lord is to be praised do we have any Job worshipers that will say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away but blessed be the name of the Lord this is how you know that you're growing in other words the weather outside the cloud doesn't dictate your posture inside the cloud is there anybody that's saying Lord I'll praise you when I got money and I'll praise you when I have no money I'll praise you in my healing and I'll praise you in my pain I'll praise you in my victory I'll praise you in my defeat I'll praise you when it's pleasant and I'll praise you when it's painful I'll praise you when I have breath Praise you when I sing. That is why the word says, let everything, let everything, let everything that has breath praise the Lord because your outer circumstances don't dictate your inward posture because you're covered by the cloud. Listen, man, let me say this way. I remember just this past Christmas, we, we spent the day preparing for my grandmother to fall asleep in Jesus. It's crazy how like the second week in December, she went to the hospital for the very first time. The second week in December, she found out she was diagnosed with cancer. And guess what? She had died by the first week in January. And I need you to understand that we prayed, Rashid. We anointed and we laid on hands that God would give us more time. But God had predetermined that it was time for her to take her rest but the crazy thing about it was that when I was in the back room with grandma I need you to know that her circumstances didn't change her habits in other words she watched the same shows she prayed the same way she always did she sang the same old songs you would have thought they told her she just got a cold and there was nothing crazy going on but see the thing I learned from sitting with her in the back room that her relationship with God was not about a result so it was a continuation of an intimacy that had already happened and even though we were upset that we didn't get what we prayed for I need you to know that what happened outside of the cloud didn't change our posture of prayer so guess what we still pray and we're still praising and we're still believing because we are still covered by the presence of the cloud are y'all hearing me today saints third thing that this story teaches us is that we got to learn how to move like God says move. Now I need y'all to know that even though they could see where the cloud was located, following the cloud was still an act of faith. Each day as they sojourned, they couldn't look at Moses. 
they had to look up at the cloud. And when the cloud went left, they had to go left. When the cloud went right, they had to go right. When the cloud became still, they had to be still. In other words, when the cloud settled for the day, they had to settle for the day. In other words, when the cloud moved, they had to move. And see, what made it an act of faith is that the cloud did not operate according to a predictable schedule. So that sometimes, Shay, the cloud would have them marching 12 hours a day. Sometimes the cloud would have them marching 10 hours a day. Sometimes the clouds would have them marching 4 hours a day. And sometimes the cloud would not have them march at all. In other words, their movement was dependent on the cloud. Their rest was dependent on the cloud. What made it faith is that they couldn't determine when they came and when they went. Their entire rest and direction hinged on wherever the cloud was moving. Now, now I need you to get that there's still another layer of faith to this thing. Because see, the problem is that as they're following the cloud, they ain't got no power over the cloud. In other words, they can't tell the cloud we're ready to go. They can't make any recommendations to the cloud. They don't have any suggestions to give to the cloud. In other words, they just got to be still until the cloud says, let's go. And then they got to stay still until the cloud says, it's time to move. But what adds to the faith is that the cloud is selective about where it settles for the day. In other words, Lamp, the cloud doesn't settle over every body of water. And even though the body of water may be okay to drink from, it's not the body that's for them. Okay, y'all didn't get that. The cloud doesn't stop at every grassy plain. Even though the cattle would be able to graze there, it may be a good plain, but it's not for them. Y'all still not getting this. It didn't stop everywhere. There were wells, and the wells may have water, but those wells were not for them. In other words, the wet cloud literally had them bypass certain options along the way. And the reason the cloud is willing to bypass certain things is that God is trying to teach them that sometimes you've got to be willing to bypass the good in order to receive the great. Sometimes you've got to bypass what's available in order to receive what's ultimate. God is trying to teach them that every door that's opened is not supposed to be walked through. Am I preaching to anybody today? In other words, the cloud is saying, don't settle until you see me settle. They were not supposed to settle on any ground where the cloud did not cease. And God is trying to show us something. That faith is not just following God out of bad options. Real faith is following God past good options. Oh, Lord. In other words, real faith is not where I just walk with God out of what hurts me. It is when I trust God enough to go past something that I think is going to help me. In other words, real faith is where I put obedience above convenience. Where I put obedience above my comfort. Where I put obedience above what's available. Because I'm waiting on God's ultimate. And let me just say to somebody that, that they knew that a particular place was for them only when they saw the cloud settle there. 
Let me just say to some young person that's about to make a decision. Before you decide to go that way, you need to ask yourself the question, has the cloud settled over there? In other words, before you choose the major, you need to go through Oakwood campus and see did the cloud settle over that particular department. In other words, before you take that job, you need to ask has the cloud settled over that job? In other words, before you propose to her, you need to see has the cloud settled over her? And before you say yes to him, you need to ask has the cloud settled over him? Before you go to that city or move there, you need to see has the cloud settled over that city? In other words, before you decide to join that church, you need to see if the cloud has settled over that church. And let me just say to anybody here in Huntsville that you might need to join First Church because when I pulled over the hill this morning, there was a cloud that had settled over the church that let me know I don't need to go nowhere else that the cloud has settled right here and what I'm saying to somebody is don't go based on your preference don't go based on what you want don't go based on what you desire you got to make sure that the cloud has settled before you settle in a particular location are y'all hearing the word today so the word says to us here in verse 21, I'm almost done. The word says, and the Lord went before them by day in the pillar of the cloud to lead the way. And by night in the pillar of fire to give them light. So as, watch this, to go by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So the word says that God, watch this, was to them a cloud by day and fire by night so they could travel in the day and during the night. Now the reason God wants them to travel at day and at night is God is saying, I need y'all to keep marching even when it's dark outside. Okay, y'all to get it. He, he, he's saying, when, when the culture around you turns dark, I, I still need y'all to keep on marching. See, some of y'all still not here yet. He, he's saying to these former slaves that you still need to keep marching. He's saying to these oppressed people, you ain't got time to rest. You got to keep marching. He's saying to these disadvantaged folk, you ain't got time for fatigue. You ain't even got time to die. You got to keep on marching. He's saying that no matter what the circumstance, you got to continue the march because God knows that even though they're outside of Pharaoh's court, they are still within Pharaoh's reach. And so the day and night travel is designed, watch this, to give them a head start. And the reason he wants them to keep moving, Shay, is he does not want them to get caught up with premature celebration. In other words, he knows that they will never be able to celebrate on this side of the Red Sea. They should not celebrate until deliverance is complete and they've gotten over on the other side. In other words, there is no safety for oppressed people on this side. Their safety won't happen until they're on the other side. And see, God understands something about Pharaoh that 
Pharaoh built Egypt on the back of free toil and labor of the minorities. In other words, what has made Egypt great, what's given it its advantage is the fact that they've had free labor and free toil that they've been able to reap from without having to sow anything there. In other words, they know that if the oppressed go free, that they'll never have the same advantage again. They'll never be able to exercise that type of dominance. In other words, Pharaoh is not celebrating their deliverance. His livelihood is dependent on their deliverance. In other words, he is not happy that they are gone. They were delivered under the threat of coercion. And I need somebody to understand that whenever freedoms and liberties are not given voluntarily, guess what? The oppressed are always going to try to repossess them. And see, like Israel, I believe that in the last six weeks we have celebrated a little bit too soon. See, the problem with us in our time is that we saw the outpouring from the majority community. We saw the love that came from other nations from around the world. And we thought that things had pivoted. All of a sudden, we thought things had changed. And as a result, we began to put our guards down. As a result, our marching began to cease. Our protests came to an end. Our messaging became unclear. And our demands all of a sudden became uh, uh, unsure and it's amazing how the shooting of Jacob Blake seven times in the back was a reminder why we can't stop marching even when it is dark outside see I need you to understand that Pharaoh refuses to change See, see, Pharaoh will not change no matter what he said at the Republican convention, no matter what he said in Egypt. See, see, the one thing about Pharaoh is the ultimate arrogance, so much so that he will condemn the oppressed response to the oppression without actually condemning the very act of oppression. In other words, Pharaoh will literally condemn people that protest while not condemning the white boy with a rifle that shot innocent protesters. In other words, the arrogance of Pharaoh is that he cuts you and then tries to tell you how to bleed. He bruises you and tells you not to let your bruises show. He spits on you and tells you that it's raining outside. And I need you to know that modern Pharaohs, some will not yield up white supremacy pharaohs will never change why because their whole livelihood depends on things not changing See, there are some of us that get frustrated because we're saying, why won't some just get it? No, they're invested in not getting it. It is them not getting it that preserves their supremacy. It is them not getting it that preserves their advantage. It is them not getting it that preserves their way of life. And see, like Israel, they could not get tired because Pharaoh never would. And see, I need us to understand this about the time in which we live. It's crazy because we cannot get caught up by politicians who give public proclamations. I read a quote that said, public proclamations without public policy change is just public performance. And I don't know about you, though. We don't need more performance. We need real change. Come on and say amen in here today. And as people of color, I need us to be clear that there's no rest for us on this side. So we've got to keep marching till we get to the other side. See, last week we learned that the movement needs to be orderly. 
But see, this week, I hope you're learning that the movement has to be constant. In other words, we've got to keep organizing to vote. In other words, we've got to keep voting, even when politicians disappoint us. We've got to keep attending city hall meetings when there is no great agenda. We've got to keep calling our aldermen. We've got to keep calling city councilmen. We've got to keep calling our congressmen. We've got to keep watch over district attorneys, even when the cases are not high profile. We've got to keep watching our elected officials even when it seems like issues don't affect us. We've got to keep watching our district attorneys to see how they assess sentences. We've got to watch corporations we support to see who they fund to get inside of office. And like Israel, it's hard marching every day and every night. It's hard when you keep seeing the same thing happen over and over again. But the shooting of Jacob Blake was a reminder that we can't stop marching marching. We can't get tired. We've got too much at stake. You can't stay home this election. The reason we've got to keep marching just like Israel is because God is taking us somewhere. Okay. See, see, this is what made me shout. Do y'all realize, preachers, that God defeating Egypt in the Red Sea was simply a type or symbol of the battle of Armageddon. Y'all realize that the Red Sea was simply to let us know and give us confidence about the battle of Armageddon. What are you talking about, preacher? Remember, Pharaoh was temporarily defeated by the plagues in Egypt. But then he got a second win and chased them down to the Red Sea. And when he got down by the Red Sea, he decided he was going to send an army to reclaim those that had found their deliverance. And I said it was foreshadowing the battle of Armageddon. But remember, there's another Pharaoh named Satan who's going to be uh, bound for a thousand years at the second coming of Jesus. The Bible says that the dead, wicked dead are going to be destroyed by the brightness of his coming. And we're going to live and reign with Christ for a thousand years. In other words, we're going to keep on marching to Zion. But guess what? At the end of a thousand years, the Bible says that Satan is going to be loose. That the wicked are going to be resurrected. And at the same time, John says, I saw the new city, the heavenly Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride adorned for a husband. And the Bible says that Pharaoh, who is Satan, is going to assemble an army to go and get those that have marched to Zion. He's going to try to reclaim his territory. He's going to reclaim his terrain. Just like the Pharaoh in the Old Testament. They both said we're going to battle with God. They both said we're going to reclaim God's people. But you realize in Exodus, God destroyed them with a sea. But in Revelation 20, God destroys them with a lake. <laughs> Just when they think they're going to reclaim the oppressed God destroyed the oppressor in the Old Testament with a Red Sea. He destroys the oppressor in the New Testament with a lake of fire. And it's amazing how Satan, the oppressor of our soul, along with all of those that had their knee on our neck on that great day, the Bible says every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. 
until Jesus the Lord, until the glory of the Father. And I guess what I'm saying to somebody down here is we can't afford to get tired. It's going to always be some type of oppression on this side. It's always going to be racism. There's going to be trafficking. There's going to be domestic violence. There's going to be slavery. There's going to be discrimination. But one day everybody who oppresses is going to have to stand before the God of liberation and give an account for what they have done in their body. And so I want to just tell us that we can't get tired. Now let me pause Adventists because some of us believe that the fact that God is going to fight the battle means that we don't need to march down here but God said I need y'all to keep marching until I bring you through to the other side in other words I can march and still believe I can march and still have faith and I need you to know I'm gonna march to make it better until Jesus comes and delivers me to the other side can somebody praise him that trouble won't last always can somebody praise him that there's a bright day on the other side can somebody praise him that every oppressor will be defeated that one day God is going to take the oppressor's knee off of your neck and that same knee is going to have to bow that same tongue is going to have to confess that there is no God like our God that there is no savior like him that he is the Lord strong and mighty he is the Lord mighty in battle lift up your heads oh ye gates and be lifted up ye everlasting doors for the king of glory shall come in who is this king of glory he is the lord strong and mighty he is the lord mighty in battle lift up your heads O your gates and be lifted up the everlasting doors for the king of glory shall come in hallelujah hallelujah let all of the oppressed say hallelujah because we are marching to the other side see i, I just I just wanted to just spend a little time to just encourage the body of Christ to understand some things. That God is in control of every portion of your life. And, and see, I need you to know that God is leading us somewhere. And, and as we are, as we're being led by God in the cloud, you, you got to get to that place where you're saying, okay, Lord, I'm just going to move however you move. Lord, if you don't settle there, then I'm not going to settle there. If you keep moving when everybody else settles, I'm going to keep on moving. God, I'm going to follow you wherever it is that you go. God is trying to say to us as a people that even though it's dark outside, that we can even have movement in our midnight. And that sometimes the darkness simply clarifies the location of the light and see God is trying to get some of us to a place where we get out of superstition and we come into real spirituality see there are some of us man that life outside of the cloud dictates everything you do underneath the cloud but I'm at a place man where, where I'm, I'm just trying to grow where I don't let the outward circumstances dictate my posture my beliefs, my values, and my spiritual habits. I want to be at that place where I'm just steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the Lord, knowing that my labor is not going to be in vain. 
but but for somebody who is about to make a decision somebody who is at a fork in the road somebody's at that place where they, they're about to go left or right and, and what i'm saying to you today is before you decide you need to see where the cloud is if the cloud didn't settle there don't you settle there if the if the cloud is moving forward don't you stay still I want you to keep moving under the cloud and and so today in just a minute I'm going to make an appeal to you a general appeal to the body about our level of submission and our willingness to follow the leadership of the Almighty God but I want you to meditate on the words of this song and as we get ready to prepare to follow God's leading in a more powerful way Say, Lord, if you lead me. today that you're watching this service at home and, and and I'm praying that what rang truest to you 
is the need for less self-governance, self-leadership. And to make it up in your mind like Israel, to say, I'm going to follow the one who guides the cloud. Then I'm going to follow God wherever he goes. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to make requests to the cloud. I'm not going to give direction to the cloud. But wherever the the cloud goes, I'm going to go. And wherever the cloud settles, I'm going to settle. I'm I'm at a place where I realize that, that my God will be whatever I lack. And I don't need to chase temporary sources. I don't need to drink from broken cisterns because wherever, whenever circumstances shifts and, and what is supporting me leaves, God said he will be the pillar of cloud at night that, 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 that takes the place of the natural light source. And so there's somebody today that, that, that maybe you just got to a place where during the daytime it was hard to see where God was. You saw a bunch of clouds and you didn't know which source was the right one. But God has permitted just enough darkness so that as he illuminates the darkness, you can know where God is moving. And so if you're here in the city of Huntsville and you've been disconnected from God, you've been alienated from God, or maybe you've just been so angry and there's been this this bitterness in your soul because it's hard for you to believe in a God that allows injustice and inequity to keep on happening but I need you to know that God's escape the God's leadership to the Red Sea that was not an escape route it's a battle plan and the same way that God was leading Israel's enemies to a place of their defeat God is going to take every oppressor every bully everyone that does wickedness he has a place where he shall defeat them but guess what? You got to keep marching to Zion. You, you got to keep letting him lead you. You got to let him guide you. You got to let him direct you. There's somebody that's got to say, Lord, I'm tired of choosing. I need you to do the choosing for me. I need you to lead me and guide me every step of the way. So if you're here in the city of Huntsville, you're saying, I want to be on the Lord's side in the battle of Armageddon. I don't, I don't want to be a part of that second resurrection. I'm, I'm not trying to align myself with Pharaoh when he's trying to take down the city. I, I want to be on the inside of the city living and reigning with God. But I need you to know that in order to be on that side of the victory, then you got to make a decision for Jesus Christ right now. And I want to say to that person who maybe you've never been spiritual, but, but you've been kind of superstitious. In other words, your spiritual habits... We're about results, not about relationship. It was about what you received, not about who you received. And God is trying to bring you to a place today where your spiritual habits, your church attendance, your giving, your prayer life, that it's not about what I get out of it. It's about who. It's about him. It's about knowing him intimately and personally. And so if you're here in Huntsville and you want to make that decision to follow after God, uh, we, we, we got the direction from our conference that we'll be able to baptize anybody that responds to the call of Jesus Christ. And maybe for the first time you want to be made alive in Jesus Christ and you want to be in one of the next baptisms at First Church, you can do one of two things. You can email us at prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Or if you're on Facebook or if you're on YouTube, there is a decision link that is coming up right now, right now. And if you click on that link, they'll just give you some simple steps. Won't take you more than 20 seconds. That gives us your information and somebody from this church will get to you by this Tuesday. So we can give you the next steps in your uh, journey with the Lord Jesus Christ.
So you can email us at prayerfirstchurch.com or maybe you're watching in another city, you're watching in another state, you're watching in another location. You don't know where you can find a good Bible-believing Adventist church. You can email us and we'll get you connected with the church, with the body of believers that we believe that will help you continue in your spiritual journey, your, your spiritual movement with God. But for those who already believe, those who are members of the body of Christ, those who are already in the family of faith, what I want us to do today is I want us to pray a specific prayer. I want us to pray the prayer of complete submission. See, actually, some of us feel like I submitted to God because I got baptized. But some of us have never really truly surrendered everything to God. We've surrendered sections, compartments, but we've never surrendered all. We've never said, God, I see you moving. And Lord, I, I will move as long as you move. And I'll remain still as long as you are still. I won't go to the left or right until you give me permission. So right now, every head of household, you're gathering the family around the TV, the device, the computer. And, and you're praying on your behalf, a prayer of submission. Where you're saying, Lord, lead me. Guide me. Along the way. I'm willing to bypass the first option. I'm willing to go past what's available so that I can receive what's ultimate. I know you have plans for me. The same way when God would lead them past wells and plains of water, he was trying to teach them that, that sometimes what he, God has planned for you in your future is way better than what's presently available to you in the present. And you got to trust him along the way. So right now you're praying that prayer of submission. And in 30 seconds, I'm going to close with prayer. Don't switch. Don't move to another broadcast. Pray this prayer of submission. Say, Lord, I'm yours. Lead me. Guide me. Along the way, I surrender all. Father, just as Israel followed you in the cloud, and whenever you moved, they moved. Whenever you stopped, they stopped. Whatever you overlooked and the things that you would bypass, they bypassed. And Lord, we want to maintain that same posture of submission to where, Lord, we won't settle over a job, a major, a path. A course of treatment we won't settle over a husband or wife a significant other unless we see the clouds settle there and we won't start moving again until we sense and know that you oh God are the one who is leading and guiding us every single step of the way Lord I want to pray that you would help us to experience true Bible maturity where whatever is happening on the outside of the cloud it doesn't change our beliefs our values and our spiritual habits inside of the cloud see lord help us get to the place where our spiritual habits are not about results but our spiritual habits are about relationship help us lord not to give so we can get some not a giving but Lord, help us to have a relationship that's so great that our treasure 
always follows our heart. May we pray not just to get a certain gift, but may we enter into the secret place because we love having communion with you. And Father, I want to pray to that person who is in a midnight and a dark season and they are traveling in the wilderness. Lord, you illuminated the cloud with fire to let us know that you can even allow us to have movement and momentum even in our midnight seasons. And Lord, you even took them in the wilderness at dark to help somebody that is in a weeping, mournful season know that you're able to move them through the wilderness even in the midst of their midnight. Lord, would you visit somebody in a hospital room, in a sick room, in a crying room, in a weeping room, in a mourning room to let them know, Lord, that you still have a plan for them as hard as life may be. And Lord, we just thank you that you don't just tell us which way to go. We thank you, Lord, that you don't just send us, but we praise you because you walk with us. So, Lord, we know that there's no safety for us on this side, but we'll keep marching. We'll keep marching to Zion until you bring every Pharaoh and every oppressor underneath your feet and make all of our enemies our footstool. So, Lord, would you keep us? Would you preserve us? We ask it all in Jesus' precious holy name. Let all God's people say together, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Just a couple quick announcements before. I transitioned over to Pastor Taylor. Uh, I meant to put this in our announcements earlier today. Uh, we had a meeting with our president, Elder Benjamin Jones, and, and one of the things that because of the spread of the coronavirus here uh, in the states that cover our conference, uh, our South Central Conference churches will remain closed throughout the remainder of 2020. We're gonna remain in our virtual format bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to your device, to your home, to your computer, to your monitor. And, and even though I know this is sad for many of us, this is the promise that God gave us that whenever two or three gather in his name, he is right there in the midst. And I believe something about the Holy Spirit, that the same way the Holy Spirit visited us in this place, I believe that the Holy Spirit is visiting you right there in your living room, right there in your device, wherever you are. And so one of the things that we do is that we don't just look out for those who have strong immune systems. We have to consider even those that are the most susceptible or vulnerable amongst us. And so I support our conference leadership in this endeavor. It is We are looking to keep you safe and we wanted to make sure that we help blunt uh, the curve and the spread of this particular pandemic. It is still real no matter what certain groups tell us. This is still affecting people. In fact, uh, what, one, I, we will do funeral services this week because it is affecting people very near and dear and close to us. And so we ask uh, that you would keep us in prayer, that you would ask that God would help us to be able to take the gospel virtually to places that it would not normally be able to go to. God bless you and come back and join us next week. I need you to know I'm going to get out of Exodus 13 eventually. We're going to spend one more week here and then we're going to transition to something else. But come on back next week and I'll give you the rest of the story. God bless you. We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, 
please visit us at www.firstsdachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.